guys. Welcome to the Young People of the Front podcast. What's up? I just, I guess I'm lost of words. Well, <laughs> I'm your host, Tony St. James, and today I'm joined by... Robin Peterine and Fatine Etadu. Welcome, you guys. How are we doing today? You know, tired today, I think. The weather is wild. Yeah. Weather is wild. It's just, that's a common thing that we'll be saying, but... I'm, I'm excited that we're in this podcast studio. Yes, and I'm excited we're lounging. that we're here, and I'm excited about today's guest. Who is our guest? Well, today's Bert. guest is none other than Detrell himself. <gasps> Detrell himself. Detrell. So this was this is going to be an interview that was done a little bit ago um, with Travis interviewing Detrell about the criminalization and decriminalization of homelessness, which decriminalization of homelessness is a priority on the young people to the front policy platform mm, go if you haven't signed on Please do it sign on. young people to the front.org <laughs> join the fight there you go join, join, join the newsletter should we share a little bit about detrell i love that we love detrell a first yeah. name only like a first name. I, I don't even know. No, his last I, I, I kind of am blanking on it a bit I right now. Think I've but I don't think it matters. I don't yeah. think he really needs it. It's just, he's, Detra- just yeah. he's just Detra- powerful Detra- the way that he is. Yeah, yeah. Detra- we love Detrell. Is a youth advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an artist. Mm-hmm. He like makes his own clothes or like has his own brand. He has this really cool pillow project, which I'm sure he'll talk about in this interview. And. Yeah, just an oh yeah, he's game. a s- full time student as well. <gasps> yes, yes. So yes. he balances so his advocacy with being a full time student, which is awesome. Yeah. So you see, you have no stop. No, should I not say that? <laughs> you have no excuses. <laughs> you have no excuses. Just because to travel. No, no, no. I'm like no, 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 no. Capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, we love Detroit here, and we're very excited to for you guys to hear the conversations. Um, he had with Travis and for you all. I was not on, so okay. it'll just be Travis and Detrell. All right. I think I was like in the room adjacent when it was happening. So oh, love the space. Yeah. Um. All right, you guys. Here's Detrell, the one and only. Hello, my name is Travis, and today's episode we are going to be talking about the criminalization of homelessness, specifically in Los Angeles, and I have a very special guest with me today. Detrell, introduce yourself, please. Hi, everybody. My name is Detrell. I'm a homeless youth advocate and an artist, and yeah, that's kind of my deal, so yeah. I'm so happy you could be here today. Um... I know you're involved with the ambassadors at the LGBT Center, but um, I specifically wanted you to be on this episode today because of your campaign uh, called The Pillow Project. Um, Since we're talking about the criminalization of homelessness, I feel like this project has a lot to do with that. Um, So I would love for you to tell our listeners um, a little bit about it. Perfect. Um, So... It was about two years ago that I first learned about like hostile architecture and I remember the New York subway like responded to some tweet asking about where there are bars on the benches in their subway train um, stations and they just responded so blatantly like oh hi we're sorry that's just to keep homeless people from sleeping there as if it was just a normal thing and there was such this outcry at the moment of like this is messed up why is this happening but I feel like people only care when they know and since the world has so much going on it just kind of gets left under the rug 
So the point of Pillow Project was to point out how hidden that anti-homelessness is, you know, and to really build homeless youth power by, like, having residents of, like, the LA LGBT Center who built the first pillow, like, come together and bring their own creativity into helping their community and also fighting back for themselves. Yeah, you really worded it perfectly when it comes to, like, how subtle it is. Because some things, like, sometimes people don't realize, like, a design, how it's built is against like so like someone can't lay on a bench because of the bars or sometimes it's like just uneven surfaces or like mm-hmm. spikes and it's like something you don't we really don't notice it until you really look around um and it's just ridiculous too like how much money they spend on it um and that's a crazy part too um especially in the research it costs them nothing to put them down like the benches to put them like martin outdoor media pays for the benches and they only profit, like, through their contract, through the senior contract that started in about 2011, Martin Outdoor Media, who is the company that does, that does the advertising on the benches, they basically went to the city of Los Angeles and said, hey, we'll, like, buy all the benches and put all the benches down for you as long as we have sole, like, monopoly over advertisement on those benches. So every advertisement on those goes, goes through Martin Outdoor Media and then not only that, they said to the city, we'll also let you use up to 10% of that advertising space for anything you want to use it for. And you also get a share of the profits that we get from our advertisement. So with that, it's like they were given a chance for profit for bus benches and then decided to use that profit to then just further oppression on homeless people, which is the craziest thing. And that's why I was really hankering on bus shelters and you know how like at the beginning when I was like we're not gonna do just bus benches we're doing bus shelters and all of this and I'd like confined it to bus benches because it's so crazy how you get the opportunity to have profit and then you use that to oppress and it's so subtle like I felt like that was the perfect like front door for outcry to see the anti-homelessness that's so embedded in the city of Los Angeles, in the LA County and in the country to actually build some rage that could build real action. Because you said it before, I feel like homelessness is one thing that we could actually solve. Like a lot of times when you think of, in my opinion, when I think of like huger concepts like misogyny or like racism or homophobia there seemed like there was need to be such a shifting and it seems like it's so far in the future that we can't see it but when thinking about like ending homelessness it feels so real and so achievable but people just don't want to do it and people just don't notice that it's going on and people don't have the ignition to care so that's really what pillow project was for that's like new information to me. I didn't know that that was being funded like outside of the city. Crazy. That yeah. is crazy. Oh my God. Um, but as far as the pillow project goes, um, I saw your post mm-hmm. of you put your the first pillow out. Um, and I was wondering like so far, like has there been any challenges with the pillow project um, or anything that has come up? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the lady who I first met um, as the first, like, unsheltered person actually sleeping on a bench, I talked to her, and she was residing on 3rd and Burnside. Um, she isn't there anymore. But I was like, I'm going to give this first pillow to you, and we kind of fell out of contact. But I remembered I'm giving this to 3rd and Burnside because if she comes back, she's going to have a pillow. So um, 
on Friday when we made it at the LA LGBT Center, I took it home and then dropped it off at night because I wasn't sure when she got around there. So I dropped it off, and then the next morning, I went back to check up on it and maybe see if she was there, and it was in the trash can. And then I, like, grabbed it, and I put it back on the bench, and then I went, like, back home and went to the coffee shop to just, like, think about what I could do to, like, reinforce it or anything. And then I went back, and it was in the bushes. And then I, like, zip-tied it to the bench and, like, put a sign that said, if your bars can stay on the benches, so were our pillows. And then I went back home and I came back like a few hours later and it was fine and the next morning I went back for my fourth checkup and it was just completely gone and I was livid I was asking everyone in the apartment building behind me I was like did y'all take the the pillow off the bench there was like a huge pillow on the bench right there out there in Burnside and nobody knew what happened to it um Man, so yeah, it's, do you think it's sanitation that took it, or do you think like because I'm trying to think positively, like maybe mm-hmm. a homeless person took it and is using it, or yeah. do you think it was like just disposed? In my, I remember I was like literally sat there and did like a whole like investigation of my notes, have like crossing out names. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it was police or like. Martin Outdoor, who would, like, usually do the maintenance for the benches. I believe that it may have been just a citizen who resided in the apartment building behind it because I feel like every other entity who would have been called to clean it up wouldn't have thrown it in the, like, trash can or in the bushes bushes, first. yeah. Yeah, so that's... And then Martin Outdoor Media was actually closed on Saturday and Sunday, so they couldn't have even been called to do it. So that was what really... Like, took me, I was like, what? Okay, I know this isn't, like, I know I don't feel like the police are on our tail. I don't think that that's happening. I don't think that any other entity could do this. So it was just thinking, like, oh, my gosh, did a citizen do this? That was so stressful. But there were a lot of people, even when, like, I put it on the bench and, like, waited for the bus to just go back home, there were people who would look at it and, like, take pictures. There was one person who, like, looked at it and smiled right before I got on the bus, and I was like... Okay, at least somebody is noticing. Yeah. So, yeah, even though the pillow is gone, the impact is still there, and that's really what we're fighting for. Definitely, and it's just the start of everything. So the more yeah. pillows you make, the better. So exactly. keep it up. Also, uh, can you share uh, the username or the Instagram page where you post uh, updates on the pillow project so people can keep up? Yes, thank you, because I sure would have forgotten. Um our Instagram is pillows for all. That's P I L L O W S, the number four, and A L L, which actually might end up being the name instead of Pillow Project. It may just become Pillows for All. So if you I hear Pillows it. for All, that is Pillow Project. Yes. Nice. <laughs> so if you're listening right now, get on your phone and get on Instagram and go follow the page and support. Um, but yeah, so it's like one reason again like I, as I said before that I wanted you on this is because the pillar project has to do like with the architecture and benches and stuff and recently 4118 and 132 uh, are two motions that both passed in Los Angeles that aim to criminalize homelessness um, and it makes it illegal for a homeless person to sit lay store or sleep on a public sidewalk or bench within 500 feet of a school, daycare, park, or library, as well as 
any place within five feet of a building entrance or exit or fire hydrant, 10 feet from a loading dock or driveway, 500 feet from an overpass, underpass, freeway ramp, tunnel, bridge, bike path, or subway. Do you have any thoughts on that before I get into it? I, the limbs that the state will go to just oppress homeless people, like, truly baffles me. Like, sitting, first of all, sitting on a bench, that should have already been, like, cut out because that's what they are there for. I Right? I'm like, how can you say a person can't sit on a bench because they're homeless? Yeah. That's discrimination. Like, then, point blank, period. And then also, how do you discriminate who is homeless, who isn't, because it's not mm-hmm. a visual thing. So then it's just enabling the LAPD to do more oppression. It's... It's, I do not understand. I talked about this in my speech about how criminalizing homelessness is just a dehumanizing tactic that's used so that when, let me try and organize this. I feel as though homeless population being visible is just showing the failure of the state because especially just in the city of Los Angeles, the city alone has so much money, yet so many unhoused people. And they can't accept that. They can't look like, oh, this is America. This is Los Angeles. We are like the best city in the best nation while also having just this incredible image of poverty just spread across the city. So instead of actually working to fix that, they fund just masking it to keep up the image rather than actually holding themselves accountable and working towards actually becoming a better like state like just Mm -hmm. it makes no sense to try so hard to act as though everything's okay we can understand that everything isn't okay and just work from there I don't understand the constant arguments and money spending over like just oppression in the what's it called oppression as a means of like masquerading fault Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense you know just like do we know what we need to do like so I just moved here eight months ago and even I can see that there's been like decades of work done in the city alone to find out what it would mean to end homelessness and especially youth homelessness and it's just not being done like why spend so much time when we could just do what needs to be done it makes no sense to me yeah yeah and it's like a lot of people who are in support of these motions specifically like politicians they said that oh like it should like like lessen the interaction between law enforcement and such a vulnerable population. But in reality, it's going to be the opposite. If anything, it's going to increase it because when you're making it all these things illegal, it's like there's no choice but to break them because it's like if you have nowhere to go, it's like, for example, 39% of unhoused folks in Los Angeles are sheltered. But that leaves 61% of unhoused people on the streets. So it's like when you make it illegal from them to have an encampment or lay somewhere, they have no choice but to break the law and get imprisoned. Um, exactly. 
and then enforcing those laws without funding beds so that we can actually house those people. It just, it like even, I believe it was, I'm not sure, I hope I get this correct, but I remember when I was doing research for Pillar Project, I was looking at Rick Caruso's plan for homelessness and how he um, planned to just take all people out of encampments and then like if you refuse to leave your encampment, you are jailed or something like that. And it's, it will not work. Like, that just will not work because that doesn't address the fact that they won't have enough beds to house these people who you're just going to shove into a shelter. And if you can't shove them into a shelter, you're going to imprison them, which will just give them more trauma, which is one of the reasons why many people stay in a homeless cycle because they don't have a holistic view of their... A holistic view of them as human beings with not only like housing or financial problems, but like mental health problems with community problems with like just basic needs that are outside of the physical. And if we don't take those into account, then we keep on setting homeless people in the homeless population up for failure. And it just, it's this cycle that we, once again, we know what to do. Like this groundwork has been laid out for so many decades and we're just not doing it. And yeah. Yeah. Rick. Caruso is disgusting. Incredibly. Um, yeah, because as he words it, he put it, oh, I'm cleaning up LA. But you're not cleaning up LA. It's, yeah. yeah. And it actually, I remember in the speech too, I talked about how the homeless population is so dehumanized and like viewed as subhuman. So it seems like, oh, I'm cleaning up LA. Who's to say that humans are trash? Like, how are you right? able to say that? Like I'm, <laughs> we're making it. It's it's either I feel like every form of action towards the homeless population, whether it be towards housing or concealment, is always based in a subhuman viewing. Whether it's subhuman is like oh they're trash and they need to be cleaned up, like Rick Russo says, or whether it's oh these are the most vulnerable populations ever. They need to like just a complete infantilization of human beings who need actual help and not just a patty cake answer for everything and like actual sustained help to actually fix homelessness. And it just leaves, it, it just a patty cake between, Oh, our homeless populations, like this little thing that needs to be wrapped in a blanket and taken home with me, or are they something that needs to be left on the street when what we need to be is helped to actually achieve housing and achieve wholeness and like achieve just stability Mm -hmm. yeah and what's also like mind-boggling to me is like all of the celebrities who are in favor of rick caruso like kim kardashian snoop dogg ice cube and these celebrities they don't even live in los angeles so the fact that they're even advocating for this man who not only is like making the worst decisions for the homeless population, but so much more outside of that. Just looking at his track record with, like, USC and so many things he tried to cover up when it comes to, like, sexual assault, it's ridiculous. He's an evil man um, and hopefully will not be our mayor, knock on wood. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, and also it's kind of crazy because the city used to allow encampments on sidewalks as long as it wasn't blocking pedestrians from walking. But now they're making it completely illegal to have an encampment on the sidewalk in almost all, like most parts of the city. Yes, and also it, that, 
I remember I was talking to an EMT worker who worked specifically with like the homeless population, and they talked about how it's but oh during COVID, and they talked about how when they were ending their coalition to like you know test homeless people who were living in encampments or moving around a lot, how the fact that homeless people move around so much, especially unsheltered ones, it makes it hard to track. And when the state was acting as though COVID was over and was ending the coalition or whatever they were, that it was just setting homeless people up to get sick and possibly die. And it this is just a continuation of that. Like, why are you pushing... This doesn't... This What was it that they said? Um, it doesn't stop or lower interaction between the most vulnerable population and the police. What it does is it pushes homeless people so far out of view that they're just left to die, basically. Like, they, one of the main things that um, the EMT worker I talked with was talking about was how it's already so hard to find most of the unsheltered people. Mm-hmm. So pushing them out of the spaces that they're allowed into it's just making it even harder to find these people. Like, even outreach teams, they, like, what will they do? Like, how will they be able to find homeless people to bring them into, like, um, housing programs? How will they find them to bring them into mental health programs? It doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, concealment never leads to success. Like, yeah. Because all you're doing is moving homeless people around and not getting them resources and housing that they need, especially like sanitation when they do the sweeps and they clear out the encampments. It's like, especially they do that a lot of times, um, like in the beginning of the year, like January, when we're trying to do the youth count. And so it's like we do these hot spot planning meetings of where we've seen encampments and where we've, where we've seen youth to go out and survey and count them. And then we go and the whole street's cleared out. So therefore we get inaccurate numbers and an under an under uh, count, an undercount. Yeah, I believe it's just that trying to conceal the failures of the state, like not accepting the fact that they have over, I don't remember the exact number, but over 4,000 unhoused youth in L.A. County that they have these huge number of people who don't have access to resources. They just cannot admit that everything is not okay. But (laughs) us fighting over whether everything is okay or not just leaves time where so many people's lives are just destroyed. Um, Like, homeless people already, it's already a lot to be homeless. Like, it's much, much more to be homeless and then thrown around from every system that could help you. Yeah. Like, even if you were to be staying in one place and, like, going through one shelter and one program and just writing that out and hoping that that leads you to success, that is already such a like a random pick of who will be able to make it or not. Mm -hmm. So to even, what is it called? Like to basically shake up the front door and make it so that people can't even get into services just leaves so many people at such a loss. Because even when I think about um, programs that I'm in, like they don't last that long in terms of like how long you're a take you for. So for example, I got in when I was 18 and a TLP program lasts about a year and a half. So that means I would have about 
four times to do that. So many people are losing out on their times to do that because they're getting thrown around and thrown around and like, oh, we're banning encampments. We're taking all of your stuff. We're going to move you from here all the way up here. Like, it's not it's not building anyone up for success. And yet, even though they're setting homeless people up for failure, it's still going to be homeless people's fault in the end somehow. So now they're just going to... It's It's... The words aren't coming out, but it's so sick how you will just like once again it's we know what to do we know the systems that work we know that not every system is perfect but we know the things that are at least doing something and it's just making it harder to reach those services just out of embarrassment over your own failures and it's costing and it's cost at the lives of people Mm -hmm. like humans are shaken up and disrupted by this but since people don't want to say I was wrong or we didn't go about this the right way or don't want to put money towards actually becoming a better government, they're just <laughs> throwing like lives to the wayside for their own interests. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's like, because like each of us, we have our own struggles and trials and obstacles in life that we deal with. But like, just imagine dealing with those without a roof over your head. Exactly. It's like, you can't you don't have a space to deal with your trauma you don't have space to shower and get dressed and get ready for work like how can you like pass a class when you're in college when you don't even have a place to study once that library closes exactly um i say that homelessness is continued trauma like it is never a moment where it is not a traumatic experience so we're just that's why I really 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 in order to end homelessness there needs to be a holistic view of the population as human beings with like lives and like with previous trauma and I also believe that homelessness is just what is it what was I saying it's a product of trauma like every form of homelessness I believe comes from Loneliness, whether it be loneliness that leads to addiction, that leads to homelessness, or loneliness that leads to abandonment, that leads to homelessness. Every homelessness comes from trauma, mm-hmm. and homelessness is in itself trauma. So you cannot fight trauma with more trauma and expect everything to be okay. So yeah. it's it truly is just sad how we are focused in such the wrong areas of action and we know that and no one's doing anything about it. I mean we try to do things about it but the positions that are actually changing things yeah, are people just, in power are not doing anything about yeah, it yeah they're just working against it and knowingly working against it just for their own ego yeah yeah yeah, no, what you said about trauma, that's so true. Because it's like some people are fleeing domestic violence or some people got kicked out of their home because of their sexual orientation. So exactly what you said, you can't fight trauma with trauma. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm hoping it's like one of the big things is that if they start spending the money right and funding like housing programs and stuff instead of like putting it towards other things like for example city council just approved spending two million dollars just to make and install signs to enforce 4118 it's ridiculous and 
Yale University says most many studies have been found that it costs far more to jail people than to provide housing solutions. And our city council member, Mike Bonin, says that 4118 is the least successful and most expensive way to deal with homelessness. Yeah, exactly. Two million towards signs saying you can't sleep here or you'll, <laughs> you can't sit here or you'll be jailed. It's insane when even now we're doing YHDP work for just $1.7 million that was allocated to SPA for and trying to figure out how to allocate that to make it so that the most amount of youth can be served. And even then, it's such, in retrospect, it's such low numbers of people who we can serve with that $1.7 million. And yet the city just sits on $2 million to tell people not to sit on the bench. Yeah. And <laughs> once again, like... It, Two million could go towards housing or telling people not to sit there. And they went to telling people not to sit there. That's, we know what to do. Where's the logic? No logic. Like there there is no logic in the oppression of homeless people. And yet it just continues and continues and continues because there is such a self interest and ego that sees homeless people as subhuman and like less than that it doesn't matter if I lose money as long as I don't have to step over a person sleeping on the sidewalk because at least they're out of my sight when we could actually be helping homeless people to achieve success. But people want to keep, well, people of power want to keep their position of power and for some reason feel as though the success of the homeless population is impeding on that in some way. So they just continue to oppress and to move and to t- manipulate situations so that homeless people cannot even get into the services that are barely working themselves to achieve success. And, yeah. yeah, it's like it's hard because it's like our current mayor, Mayor Gassetti, I feel like he tries to be a people pleaser and make Exactly. Both sides of people happy. So he'll have all these false promises of saying, oh, I'm going to house this many people. I'm going to house this many people. And it never happens. And then it's like he's trying to make the other people, like the other citizens in the city happy because like those citizens, they don't want a shelter in their backyard, but they also don't want homeless people in their backyard. Mm -hmm. So it's like, they think, Oh, having a shelter in my neighborhood will attract more homeless people. So it's like, they're blocking the solution to the problem. And like, so nobody's happy. Exactly. It's that once again, that hierarchy and that ego and not seeing homeless people as human because it's just, (laughs) There is a truly there need in my opinion there needs to truly be a humanization of the homeless population in order for there to be any success in going about achieving um, permanent housing for all homeless people mm-hmm. because if we cannot realize that the that the homeless population are not just NPCs walking around like dirtying up the sidewalk or dirtying up the neighborhood or bringing in sickness and see them as people, as human beings with lives who were displaced, who were abandoned, who were any reason that led them to homelessness, that they need help. Like the only way to get out of homelessness is to receive help. Mm -hmm. And we, as citizens, as just 
a human being, as the human population, we have to be willing to understand that that the help needs to be given in certain ways, you know? Yeah. Like, if there's a shelter in your backyard, there's a shelter in your backyard. It, it just has to be what it is because there are people who need a place to go, and they're going to be in someone's backyard. So, like, sorry that it's yours, but it's yours. And even then, not sorry, because they're human beings, and they deserve a place to stay. Yeah. So stop, like, literally just get off of your high horse mm -hmm. and just look at these human beings and let them achieve success. And that's what... There was a point that you made earlier. I'm so sorry. Can you turn back to what you talked about before I started speaking? Which one? Um, oh no, <laughs> like what you were just saying before I started. Um, I was talking about how like they should put more money towards housing instead of like uh, for signs. Yeah. I no, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. If it comes back to you, it comes back to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, damn, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Um. Oh, oh, but yeah, because it's like if you don't treat the homeless as humans, they won't get the help they need. And it's like a lot of things, something I say this all the time, something people understand is like most of us are one paycheck away from being homeless. Like yes. anybody can be homeless. It's not because they're a drug addict. It's not because they're an alcoholic. Some might struggle with those things but do you realize how many rich people are doing drugs and snorting coke in their mansions exactly. It's like, exactly yeah i've noticed that too like sometimes i smoke and sometimes i'll be smoking and i'll say "Ooh, i feel weird doing this and i look around and i'm like there are so many if i was like had a hundred thousand more dollars this would be seen as just a normal thing to do yep like every i've noticed how past uh Certain, what is it called? Financial point. Um, things that would be seen as normal are seen as like weird or like stupid decisions. For example, I've met uh, in the city, you kind of just meet people who have like more than or like rich parents or whatever. And I've met people who are like, oh, I'm staying here. Then I'm going to go to New York for two weeks and then I'm going to go to London and then I'm going to stay in Peru. And then I'm going to get a boyfriend and then I'm going to stay with them for three years in Peru. Then we're going to break up and then I'm going to go back to South America and then I'm going to stay with family. And it seems like... Damn, not to, planning to break up with them. <laughs> and it seems like it's so like, oh, yeah, it's so normal for them. Mm -hmm. But then you see homeless people who are like, oh, I'm staying in New York for right now, but then I'm going to go to L.A. and I'm going to stay here. And then I'm going to move here and it's like, oh, that's a stupid decision. Or like it's, which is maybe not the best financial decision. But however, it the, the reception of these decisions is different with these finances that people have. Like if that person lost, if the person who was rich and like planning all of these ships around the world didn't have that money, then they would be seen as, I'm trying to get there's a point here and I'm trying to get to it but the point I'm trying to get to is that so many things that are normal have been twisted to seem non-human because of how much money you have like even for example like I'll take EBT I'll take out my like EBT card and use it and sometimes I'll say oh I feel embarrassed but yet there are people who are like 
being paid by their parents for food, who are getting money from their parents for like housing and things of that nature. And it's like, if you can get money from your dad, why can't I get some from Uncle Sam? You know? Okay. Like it doesn't, it seems as though receiving help is only demonized when you don't have the family or like the support system outside of the government to give you that help. And that's just, and with that framework, it leaves, like, especially queer people at such a disadvantage because when we get displaced, because we don't have those family connections, what are we supposed to do? We have to rely on ourselves and, like, EBT and other, like, forms of help. But (laughs) when we're demonized for accepting those forms of help, it leaves us at such a loss. And then... Even that embarrassment that comes with using these resources, it leaves those minorities at such a loss, like especially like black people and like queer people, because it's like, oh, I can't use this because that will make me seem poor. But yet everyone else does. It just looks different, you know, and we are so we're told so much to rely on ourselves and sometimes we just can't like it it just really just can't we can't get a million out of zeros and making it so that homeless especially homeless people feel demonized for accepting help just hinders them from getting any actual success which just leads back into that whole like system of things that makes it so that homeless people are just not getting towards the success that they need to achieve like housing and like mental stability and financial stability and just being able to live the lives that they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this has been happening to minorities for centuries. Like I did research on this last night and they were saying since world war two, World War II, a confluence of racist racist zoning, tough on law crimes, state cuts to mental health services, and other factors have led to LA's current unhoused crisis, which has hit black, Latino, Latino, and LGBTQ communities particularly hard. So exactly what you just said about the minorities, it's been happening since World War II. And I'm honestly probably before then. Exactly. (laughs) It's just... The state will do so much to oppress and to keep its, like, standing as the hierarchy that, not to get into this, but the hierarchy that capitalism kind of depends on is the hierarchy that capitalism depends on will always leave minorities affected. And now, especially with, like, criminalization of homelessness, it's because people are realizing that that hierarchy is not only incorrect, but it doesn't work. And so now when you see, like, that homeless populations are, like, more so black-leaning and queer-leaning and, like, seeing how uh, just this world is set up so that people fail the state just tries and tries and tries to conceal it. And we were talking about this with the EMT work, actually. And just there's so much effort put into trying to keep up an image that no one believes anymore. Like, people acknowledge and know that homelessness could be solved, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. 
people know, or <laughs> some people still know, that racism exists and that like homophobia exists and that there are really real problems that leave people like disadvantaged and displaced and affected. And yet, there's so, there's so much money and effort put into just trying to conceal that when it's beyond concealment at this point. Like, we all know what's going on. So just put the money into the right places now. Like, it's not, it truly, it truly, truly baffles me that there's just a lack of self-awareness with um, the state that just makes them believe that going about, like, pleasing both sides or, like, that there is any more of a tug of war, oh, it's okay, we can, like, it's okay that we leave people in the house as long as they don't sleep on the streets or, like, there, there is no more, the image that there was that everything was okay is gone. It has been gone for a very long time now. And now we're looking for real solutions and real change and it's just not being offered and it's the money isn't going into the like methods of real change that we know exists and it's it it truly truly just baffles me how people are just not doing the work that we know needs to be done and the like groundwork that's been laid out for so long it's just yeah (laughs) i'm losing my words but exact it's just it's just insane we all know what's going on so let's just go about fixing it at this point yeah no everything you said was so true um um i think someone okay robin got it but yeah everything you said was so true and Hey y'all, we're almost done with recording. Everything you said was so true. And going back to what you mentioned about the money and stuff, it's like we mentioned like they need to allocate that money towards housing and not spending $2 million on installing signs. Um, But also we got to talk about the money that's allocated towards police. Yeah. LA dedicated $3 billion to LAPD. And less than one billion to homeless needs, so I want that number to digest real quick. Exactly, I was literally oh my gosh, it was so crazy. I was um, going to Umi's concert on Monday, and I was walking by, and there was like nine police cars on Hollywood and Vine or Hollywood and Argyle, some place near there. And I was like, "What's going on?" And they said, "Oh, it was just a guy with a knife, and there was like nine cars for this one person." And <laughs> I was walking by and I said, wow, billions of dollars for this. Like, truly, it's it doesn't make sense to put so much money into a reactive system. Because the police are already doing nothing for crime. Mm-hmm. The police do not deter crime. The police have existed for so long and crime still happens so they're obviously not a deterrent yes so and then if you want to stop crimes you have to actually stop them the police are a reactive force they come when crime happens like how does that that make i already never thought the, of it like that like, that's so true already that's a failed system like if we're yeah. talking about like 
like if you want to stop crime, you have to stop it before it happens. You can't. What is the thing about toothpaste? You can't put toothpaste back in once it gets out. Like it has to be out there. Mm-hmm. So you can't stop crime by trying to do something about it after it happens. Um, and we know how to stop crime. We know that like I was in this. Um, what was it called? John Hopkins Center for Gun Policy Research had this cohort that they used to do, and I was in it. And they talked about how gun, what was it, gun violence prevention programs were stopping crime at a higher rate than police because the police just weren't doing it. Mm. Like, when money was invested into these um, gun violence prevention programs, we actually saw community efforts to come together and to actually give people community so that they didn't have to steal to have money for resources. They were able to get those resources from the community. And investing money into that was doing so much more than the police, but yet most of the money was going to police. Mm-hmm. And even just, we one of the things I noticed in that cohort, but also just in life, is that community does more for each other than the police does. And yeah. everything that the police does is just... Once again, they're just a system used to cover up the failures of the state. Like, um, if someone can't eat, they're going to steal. But we have to address why can't they eat. Mm -hmm. If someone, even, what is it, even like murder, I'll use that because that's like the big one. People are like, oh, if the police are gone, then won't murder just go rampant? Who are you going to call when someone dies? This, like... I feel as though, like you were talking about, like the zoning that happened with black communities and like the redlining that happened and like basically corralling black people into one space, which is what they're replicating with homeless population now, but like corralling black people into one space and then like depleting them of all the money that they were able to get, like not having access to jobs, not having access to mental health services, making um, schools based on property tax so that even... Since they're in poor communities, the schools in these poor communities are also poor, so then they don't have chances of higher education. The I've noticed here, like I have a friend who's in high school here, and the programs that they've done, I'm like, this would never exist. Best in, this would never exist back in Detroit. I don't know how you have the money for this. Like what? Like just being set up for success. And oh, where was I going? Come on, come back. And it's just wild to me how. When we look at, like, the corralling of, oh, that's what I was getting to. So we see how, like, black people have been corralled into these poor communities and put into survivalistic situations. And even me, I think of, like, gangs and things as just the need for community. Because even, like, we talk a lot about, especially in the black community, about displacement of families and how, like, oh, there's a lack of black men for families and things of that nature. So where do these young boys who are taught to, like, look for a masculine figurehead go to? The only other masculine figureheads in the community, and they're only existing because they're only the existing figureheads because they have money, but the only way they're allowed to get money is through, like, pushing drugs and things of that nature. So then now they have this figurehead of masculinity who they want to rush to, and then now they're joining into a gang, and now they're all in this community. But it's And it seems from the outside like such a dangerous thing because it is like it perpetuates gun violence it perpetuates a lot of real violence but it's just 
human. Like when you look at the, what is it? At the, uh, at the way that it was structured for them to be put into the situations they're put in, the outcome is only the human expectation, you know? So to, this is another thing that we talked about in the um, Center for Gun Policy Research. It's, you put people in survivalistic situations and then you criminalize the survival, especially with homelessness. That's what they're doing now. Like, if I can't sleep anywhere, I'm going to sleep on a bench. And now you can't sleep on the bench. So now you go under an overpass. Okay, then, like, you're criminalized sleeping under... Then, uh, sorry, I don't know the exact laws, but I'm going into a hypothetical, and I hope that it doesn't lead to, like, me just going into a complete, no. like, hangman fallacy or whatever. You're good. But, yeah, like, criminalizing sleeping on the bench. Then, they'll, then the next place that they'll go, like they'll find a way to criminalize that if it affects like how citizens in any way shape form or fashion Mm -hmm. and what it does is it just puts people into more survivalistic situations which from track record we know just puts people into more harmful and violent situations and we have to acknowledge that and we have to start working in ways that actually lead towards success because if we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing into survival mode and pushing people into survivalistic situations, they're going to try to survive. And that could look like violence or that could look like even going, diving further into addiction to the point of like unhealth or just, it could, it looks like so many things that leads to so much just like violence. It just leads to violence. Like, the uh, it's I'm losing the words again. No, you're good. Yeah, exactly. No, you've shedded so much light on so many things and so much truth. Um, but going back to the police role thing, the LA, going back to LAPD, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the last question because um, I want to know your thoughts. Um, so, outside of defunding the police, um, do you think that? we can reform a broken system. And I want your thoughts on abolition um, or if you think we can fix the system. What's your thoughts? I believe that every form of, everything that's tried to reform, any like real, every hope for reform that I feel like people have is really just abolition. You know, like people are like, oh, if we change the way the police look in our structure and then like all of this, then maybe we could have something that's abolition. That's literally taking them away and changing the structure and like making it more community focused. Like people just don't want to say abolition because it's like such a what's it like it has so much behind it. Like, ooh, abolition. Huh? But no, it's like exactly what we need. Like I was talking about the police are useless like they're incredibly useless like they come after crime happens they aren't deterring it we know that they aren't deterring it so what's their point Mm -hmm. it's they only they're only 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 ever used as modes of oppression so we keep investing into that when we know that like community programs like gun violence prevention programs like what is that thing called um restorative justice programs we know that those community-based like programs and help to stop the crime that <laughs> the police, oh, I'm so sorry for coughing, would stop the crime that the police like react to. Mm-hmm. But yet we just. And it's proven to work. Exactly. Like, what are we, 
why are we wasting so much time or we're trying to please like you were talking about um with the mayor garcetti trying to please both sides we have to acknowledge that the that one of the sides that we're trying to please is just not based in our success like they're just not so if we keep trying to please our oppressors we're just going to end up being oppressed so in order if we want true change we have to we cannot exist in any system that currently exists to oppress us and be successful so we have to take away these systems and build ones that are made for the success of us like the detriment of women and like colored people and queer people and homeless people and poor people and disabled people is embedded into the creation of this country and our systems. So in order for us to even begin to be able to dream of a way for us to all be equal and be successful in our own rights, we would need to look outside of the system completely because it, we cannot succeed in the system it wasn't built for us. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, Cause it's like, you can't fix a system that is rooted and that was formed in racism because yeah. the police that that first came about when sl- slavery was going on. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree with you and believe in abolition for sure. Um, but I think we're wrapping up um, cool. the trail. Thank you so much for being here. And Thank you for having speaking. me. It's been amazing. But um, do you have any last words for our listeners before we call it out? Um, yeah, I'll say that I would like to remind you about Pillow Project at Pillows for All. Um, but I would also like to say that be empathetic. And when you look around at people, whether they are homeless or any other type of minority, just see them as a person, like see them as a human being. Like, for example, um, I would say this because we have to challenge our own thinkings and that's the only way that we can get out of this oppressive system is if we acknowledge that we all have these inherent views that are incorrect. Um, there, I was riding on a bus and I looked at this um, homeless person who was setting up near a bus shelter and at first I was like, I forgot how I felt. I felt like I was kind of infantilizing them in a way or like I couldn't see myself in their shoes and I was like, ooh, that's like it felt his situation felt very separated from us. I'll say it like that. But then I thought about it and I looked at him putting his shoes in a bag with the newspaper on the ground and laying there. And I said and I thought about how two years ago I was so tired of being in like this Christian household who just didn't accept who I was. They didn't know, but like I could just feel it. And I thought about how I had such a drive at such a young age to leave and come here and how I said that if I was to be here even if I had to like sleep on a corner I would be here and I looked at him as though he wasn't 16 obviously but I looked at him as though he had that same aspiration as though he wanted to just have something and that's the only way that he has the ability to start to reach success and when you think about it like that when you think about especially like now that I've been in like homeless um, services and that I've like operate in like community centers and shelters, you see 
how the stereotype of just like jobless and like hopeless and like all of this that the homeless population has been given is so false. It's so incorrect. It like they so many people are looking for independence or like looking for success and are working so hard. The po- homeless population is really, really hard working, but the systems just aren't built <laughs> to help. <laughs> so they're always left to the detriment. And it that same like system happens across minorities where from the outside looking in, especially from the stereotypical views that we're given because of how this country is set up, it seems as though people are less than or that they aren't trying. Like even how I was talking about how gang violence is really just human <laughs> reaction to the confines that they've been put in. We see so many things that seem to us as like bad and disgusting and like uh, just things that should be tossed to the side are just the human interactions of what we've been given. So whenever you feel like there is a superior feeling or whenever you feel like someone else is inferior or just remember that we are set up to see other human beings as less than Mm -hmm. and remember that the only way to achieve true success for all people is to see them as equal because that's how we get to equality. Yeah. Thank you so much to I couldn't have worded that any more perfectly. Um, but I'm so excited to see you continue your work and advocacy. Uh, you'll definitely be back as a guest. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.